Good day, brothers and sisters. Welcome once again to our Sunday Living Word service. I'd like to share to you a few announcements uh, before we go to the Word of God. All our services are still suspended until further notice. As you very well know, uh, the entire Luzon has been on lockdown or it has been decided that it will be on lockdown up until the end of April. And it seems like the provincial government of Cebu, as well as the city of Cebu, is inclined to follow suit. And because of that, uh, we would like you to know that we will continue serving you online until further notice. So again, just to make an announcement, you can view us every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning on our Facebook page as well as on YouTube. Kindly visit our Facebook page, Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International Incorporated, and also check out our website, www.livingword.ph. Now, also, we would like to announce to you that our sermon can also be heard over DYFRFM 98.7 every Saturday and Sunday at 8 o'clock in the evening. Likewise, you can view us on channel 54 sky cable every monday to saturday at 8 p.m as well also i'd like to announce that my next book more than enough is scheduled for release however there's been a delay in printing because of the lockdown however we are continuing to pre-sell the book at only 300 pesos until the lockdown continues now, this book will be learning how to conquer trials and difficulties in life. And I think the book is really very timely. That is why I'd really like to endorse this to you. Now, if you would like to order uh, our pre-selling price, you can text this number 0931-037-6944. We also have a new gospel-centered discipleship material entitled Knowing Christ. It is available for only 150 pesos. Kindly text also the number flashed on your screen. Now, we'd also like to announce to you that uh, we are continuing with our interactive midweek table talk every Wednesday at 2 p.m. You can view this as well on our Facebook page. Now, also like to announce to you that for those of you who want to continue supporting our ministry and by the way this is only for living word members we have giving channels you can deposit your love offerings to the following banks banco de oro account name is lwccci number is 0010006080800 and then you can also deposit in bpi Account name is Living Word Christian Ministries Cebu Incorporated. Account number would be 1021-023481. Also RCBC. Account name is LWCCCII. Account number would be 1450005286. You may also send your love offerings and donations online through our website. Go to www.livingword.ph and kindly click Give. There's a dialogue box that comes out. All you have to do is answer that. Praise the Lord. We're now ready to go to God's Word. Uh, the title of our sermon is Now What? And this is now part two. We're going to tackle, once again, portions of Psalm 37. But before we do that, let's come before the Lord in a word of prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you once again for this blessed Sunday that you've given to us once again a day to worship and glorify your holy name this is your day this is the day lord that you have set aside for yourself and for your people and lord our desire is to honor and glorify your holy name even as we worship you and even as we listen to the word of god i pray for myself O oh god that you might anoint and empower me so that as i speak to your people O oh god it might minister to the very core of their inner beings. I pray, Father, that you might even go beyond the manuscript that I have prepared so that I might speak, Lord, in a prophetic way to your people, ministering to their specific needs. 
So I pray for myself. I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your boldness. I pray for your courage. I pray, Lord, for your anointing. And Lord, whatever is going to be achieved today, we will give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Now, brothers and sisters, you might be wondering why is it that I started to focus on the book of Psalms ever since the pandemic uh, crisis began. Well, actually, looking back into history, you will find that uh, during difficult times, such as the bubonic plague, such as the cholera outbreak, uh, such as many persecutions that took place uh, in the church life, they took solace in the book of Psalms. And this is the reason why I believe that tackling uh, certain Psalms would be appropriate for our times. And so just to give you a little review, last time around we talked about Now What, uh, which is part one of Psalm 37. And today we will also be tackling Psalm 37 verses 5 to 17. So allow me once again to give you a little review of what we studied last time around. Remember, I mentioned to you that there are two very strong and powerful emotions that you and I are feeling right now. One powerful uh, emotion would be that of anger, probably righteous indignation. Probably we're angry because of certain corrupt people. Uh, probably we're angry because certain people are uh, taking advantage of the situation. Or maybe it's even possible that you're angry with God himself. Now another emotion that is high in our hearts would be that of anxiety. I think it is but natural that with all the things that have been happening all over the world, the many deaths uh, that have taken place all over the world, definitely there should be fear in our hearts. And so I'd like to make mention of the fact that when David wrote this down, these were two very powerful emotions that he had to go through during very difficult and trying times. However, he was able to overcome these particular emotions and now he was instructing the nation of Israel as to how they can overcome their anxieties as well as their anger. I saw two very powerful points and I'd like to review them once again to you. And first part would be the anxiety and anger points that we find in this particular psalm. One anxiety point would be the Israelites uh, struggled with the age-old question, why do the wicked prosper while the ungodly, I'm sorry, while the godly rather painfully struggle through life? And as I mentioned to you, some of us are feeling righteous indignation at this particular time because some people are indeed taking advantage of the situation. Perhaps we're getting angry as a result of that. And we're probably wondering why is it that these people, these wicked people are prospering while you and I are suffering with great anxiety at this time. So that's one anxiety and anger point. The second anxiety and anger point is that the Lord had given the people a promise that they would have a land flowing with milk and honey. However, the tenure and advancement in that particular land that God had given to them, which by the way was promised to Abraham, was under threat. It was under threat because of certain uh, armies in the Middle East that wanted to invade the land, and therefore they were a serious threat to the tenure of the people of Israel. Likewise, there were wicked people, very oppressive rulers, and somehow this also threatened their very existence in the land. Why? Because they knew that there was a covenant that God had made with the people of Israel, that if they became unfaithful to God, they would be removed from this very land that God had promised. So this was one other anxiety and anger point that they had. Number three is, against this backdrop, God seemed like an idle spectator, and you can sense a temptation on their part to be angry with God. Actually, let me just pause at this time and allow me to share a story in the New Testament. 
And if you recall in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus was told that his friend Lazarus was sick. There was information that was given to him, I think in the Judean wilderness. And so at that particular time, the Lord Jesus Christ heard the news, but we are told that he tarried, he delayed for two days. And so by the time they decided to go to Bethany, Lazarus was already dead. In fact, he had been in the graveyard or in the burial place for about four days already. And so when Jesus went, uh, Martha saw the Lord Jesus Christ and made, uh, made the statement, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And by the way, that was the same thing that Mary said to the Lord Jesus Christ. If only you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. So basically, what are we talking about here? Basically, what Martha and Mary were talking about was distance. The fact that the Lord was coming from a distant place and he was not present in the situation in Bethany at that time made it difficult, at least in the minds of Mary and Martha, for Jesus to do anything for their friend or for their brother, Lazarus. And I think that is what you and I are feeling at this time. We are feeling that God seems to be distant. In the same way that Mary and Martha felt the distance of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're probably feeling the distance of God from us. We think probably that he is an idle spectator. And probably we're even tempted to think that he does not care, that he is not mindful of us. And that was the particular situation that we find the uh, Israelites in at that particular time. They felt that God was an idle spectator. Now, the fourth point that I see here is unable to see things from God's perspective, the Israelites during the Psalmist's time seemed to wrongly conclude that life is grossly unfair. Now, you and I know and are aware of the reality menu that many bad things actually happen, and it happens not only to the worst of people, it even happens to the best of people. And that is why some people, because of a skewed perspective, wrongly conclude that life is grossly unfair, or they might even conclude that God is unfair. Now, the fifth anxiety and anger point, and the last one, is the anxiety that they had towards the future of their children. And I think that we can relate to that as well, because right now, as I mentioned to you, the educational system is right now in chaos because we are on community quarantine. And so the schedule of our children in school has been greatly disrupted. And because of that, we are quite insecure as to what will happen in the immediate future. But not only in the immediate future, we're also probably wondering what is going to happen in the distant future, most especially because it seems like we are really, really headed towards a global recession. Now, in the midst of the anxiety and anger points, we find that uh, David actually shared to us a few points, points that would somehow change the perspective that we have in relation to our situation. And so he comes up with a solution to our anxiety and anger points. And what he does, what David does, is he talks about things that we ought to change. And while we, we want changes to take place in terms of our health system, in, in terms of our institutions, in terms of our government, let me submit to you when it comes to a spiritual perspective of things that the first thing that we need to be looking for when it comes to change is we need to be looking for change within ourselves. Now, if you recall my previous sermon, I talked about four things that we need to change. First of all, we need to change our attitude. 
We need to move away from anxieties and replace that with restedness in the Lord. The opposite of anxiety is calmness. Now, once again, let me bring you to what the Lord Jesus Christ promised uh, to the disciples before he died. He talked to them about not letting their hearts be troubled. And he was saying that in this world, we shall have many tribulations. But he also gives the assurance that he will give us a peace that the world cannot give. A peace that the world cannot understand. Of course, the world can give us medicine. The world can, can give us uh, hospitals and they can give us doctors and they can give us prescriptions. The government can probably subsidize our basic means of, of, of subsistence at this particular time. And so there are many things that the world can give to us. But let, let me remind you, brothers and sisters, that only God can give us peace, a peace that this world cannot give. And so once again, this is a sermon really for those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. And once again, let me pause and allow me to address those who still do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me submit to you that if you want your perspective to change, what needs to happen is first of all, a change of heart and that change of heart will take place if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life not only will you have a changed heart but you are given the assurance of eternal life you are given the assurance that when you die if ever that happens you will go to be with God in heaven not because you deserve it but because Christ died and paid for all your sins. Now the second solution, as I mentioned last time around, is that we need to change our perspective. So change our attitude. Secondly, change our perspective. We need to change our perspective from a state of panic and replace it with a view of things uh, in the end. We need to have a foresight we need to be forward-looking as to what would happen in the future. See, a lot of times we grumble and complain. And why do we grumble and complain? We grumble and complain because we have not finished the narrative of our lives. And many times that is what we find in the scriptures. We find uh, many of the Bible characters in fear, in anxiety, uh, with a sense of instability. But you see, the problem is the narrative has not yet been completed. And I need to remind you, brothers and sisters, that in the midst of this pandemic crisis, the narrative is not over. We are right at the beginning or maybe right in the middle of the narrative of what God is trying to weave at this particular time. But we need to understand that in the end, it will be well with us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you're looking at a tapestry of, uh, of uh, a work that a woman has, has made, if you're looking at the tapestry and you look at it and you, you flip it and take a look at it at the back, you will see that it's a mess. It seems like there's no design. It seems like it's chaos and it, it looks ugly when you look at the backside of what a woman is sewing or weaving in the tapestry that she is making. But when you turn it around, flip it to its upper side, what you will see is a beautiful design. And basically, I think that is what we need to be looking forward to. As we take a look at this situation, we're looking at the back side of the tapestry. We need to look at the, the flip side of it, the front side of it, and we will see the beauty of what God is doing. As the Bible says, He makes all things beautiful in His time. Now, we also said that we need to change our mindset from that of panic to faith. You see, the Christian life is all about faith. 
And that is why we have an entire chapter in the book of Hebrews that is solely devoted to people of faith. And the Bible is very clear. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So whether we like it or not, if we want our lives to be pleasing to the Lord, it's very important that you and I have faith, most especially during these times. Now the last that I mentioned to you, the fourth and last that I mentioned to you, is we need to change our focus. Instead of focusing on our circumstances, we need to focus on God. I quoted to you from Psalm 37, wherein it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall grant you the desires of your heart. So we need to change our focus. We need to be delighting ourselves in the Lord. You know, when I was having my quiet time uh, this morning, the Lord somehow spoke to my heart, and He reminded me of that verse and that passage in the book of Philippians, which says, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, Rejoice. I was also reminded of another passage in the Old Testament, which says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, if our focus is in the Lord, we will be able to experience His joy, His overflowing joy. And that joy will be the very strength that will carry us through this particular pandemic crisis. Now today, we will be talking about two more lessons from Psalm 37. And the first thing I would like to talk to you about would be the things we ought to do, or in other words, our positive response towards the situation. And the second thing that I would like to bring before you today is the things we ought not to do, and that is our negative response to this particular crisis. So let me begin, and let's talk about things we ought to do as our positive response. Allow me to quote to you a verse of Scripture, Psalm 37, verse 5, which says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. Once again, it says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. So solution number one in the things we ought to do is we need to surrender everything to the Lord. It involves a full commitment to roll away or cast one's negative feelings of anger, anxiety, and resentment. We need to roll it unto the Lord. And if you recall, I was talking about that passage of Scripture in Peter, wherein it says there that we need to cast our cares upon the Lord, for He cares for us. Now, the Greek word there is quite interesting because it means we are to roll unto Him our feelings. We are to roll unto Him whatever cares we have. So there is actually a transference that takes place. The weight upon our shoulders, we need to, to get that weight upon our shoulders and put it on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, during times where you and I have, have difficulties and problems, sometimes God allows us to be at our wit's end. And it is actually a grand opportunity for us to have a revelation of who God is. A revelation not in terms of what we gain from the study of books, but a revelation of God in our lives by experience. In other words, I'm talking about experiential knowledge here. As the psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. And so let me just remind you that the things that we study in terms of theology always do have an application. We talk about the attributes of God. We talk about uh, the holiness of God, the love of God, the justice of God, the goodness of God. We talk about all these attributes that God is beautiful. Now, obviously, if God is real and alive, if He is truly good and a God of compassion, if He is truly a God who cares, if He is truly a God who answers our prayers, most definitely, 
those are things that you and I would experience as we cast our cares upon the Lord. Now, I'm sure that many of us are really worried at this particular time, most especially with the extension of the quarantine. And we're probably thinking about our businesses. We're probably thinking about our jobs. We're probably thinking about our debts even. And so we're wondering, how will we be sustained in this situation? Let me submit to you that we need to cast our cares upon the Lord. Let us remind ourselves that God knows what we need. That is what we find in Matthew chapter 6. Now, committing your way to the Lord is not simply just surrendering our cares unto the Lord. It also speaks about moral commitment. And this is something that we need to be able to put into our hearts because one of the possibilities that can happen is that this might be an occasion for us to become spiritually dry. An occasion wherein our love and affection towards God grows cold, probably because of our doubts, probably because of the questions that we have in our minds, probably because of the difficulties that we are facing. Maybe somebody in the family is sick. Maybe somebody just passed away. And it's possible that we are right now slackening in terms of our moral commitment. Let me tell you that this is not the time to slacken our commitment to the Lord. This is the time, my dear brothers and sisters, to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because we know that our labor is not in vain. So may I submit to you that let us be steadfast. Let us continue to be faithful to the Lord. Now, the second positive response is found in Psalm 37, verses 6 and 7 here. It says, He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Now, of course, the context in this particular passage is talking about those wicked people and their instant success schemes. As I mentioned to you in our previous sermon, that is one of the reasons for the righteous indignation that this psalmist had and the righteous indignation that some of the righteous Jews had. They were wondering why the ungodly were prospering. They were wondering why their instant uh, success schemes were succeeding. And the Lord is saying in this particular passage that they need to be still before the Lord. The stillness here speaks of uh, what Moses had experienced when um, they were confronted by the Egyptian army as they were about to cross the Red Sea. And the Lord reminded Moses to be still and see the salvation of God. And that's what we need to do. We need to be still. The Bible says, cease striving and know that He is God. Now, of course, we are not against a physical or visible enemy, just like the psalmist was encountering at that time, or the Jews were encountering at that time. The enemy that we are experiencing right now is an invincible, I'm sorry, an invisible uh, enemy. It's a virus. You know, the, the interesting thing that I've thought about, and this is a little rabbit trail, by the way, there are some people, there are atheists, who are actually afraid. And what are they afraid of? They're afraid of the virus, but the virus is invisible to the human eye. And yet, isn't it interesting that the atheists seem to believe in the virus more than the existence of God himself? Now, God is in invisible, but most definitely, he exists. And I hope that the atheists are beginning to open their eyes that just because something 
is invisible to the human eye does not necessarily tell us of its non-existence. So again, they believe that the virus exists. Well, God definitely exists. And what the psalmist is saying here is we need to wait upon the Lord. I know we're all becoming impatient at this particular time. And our patience, our perseverance, our endurance is actually being tested. Some people are bored. Some people are, in fact, becoming very depressed because they've been so used to, to going out and, and doing certain things. And right now, they're on quarantine, and so probably they feel like they're being caged. They feel like being under house arrest. In fact, that is what some people are feeling. And some, some friends of mine are calling each other as inmates right now. And somebody also said that this is how it feels to be under house arrest. Well, kidding aside, I know it's a difficult situation. But friends, we need to wait upon the Lord in the same way that the righteous Jews at that time were instructed by David to wait upon the Lord because God is going to come. God is going to come and is going to deliver us. And we don't know exactly how the deliverance will, will take place, whether it's going to be internal deliverance or external deliverance. Whatever the case might be, we know that God is not distant. Let me go back, by the way, to the story of Mary and Martha. You recall that their problem was the distance of the Lord. The Lord was not present in Bethany when Lazarus was sick. And so the question, of course, in their mind at that time when uh, their brother was, was fighting for his life is, where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? And I think that is the same question that many of us are asking at this particular time. Lord, where are you? And as I mentioned to you, because of this feeling of, of distance between us and God, we might be thinking that God seems to be stoic. We might be thinking at this time that God is uninvolved. He is disengaged from our situation. He is just watching from above and is just letting things happen and he doesn't care. There are no emotions. You know, going back, to the story of Mary and Martha. The Lord showed to them that he cared. And the way he showed his compassion was not through words. The way Jesus Christ showed that he cared was that he wept. The Lord Jesus Christ wept. And what does that tell you about the God that we have? Well, the God that, that we have is not an impersonal God. He is not a stoic God. He is not a God who is indifferent and apathetic. He is a God who weeps. In fact, one psalm says he puts our tears in his bottle. He remembers every single tear that we cry. And that is why I am truly blessed as I read the scriptures, I see a God who cares for us. And that is why it is worth waiting upon the Lord because we know that he is achieving his purposes. Let us allow God to be God. Let us allow God to achieve whatever purposes he has laid out for all of us. And by the way, in the case of Lazarus, the reason why he delayed was because he wanted to bring glory to himself in a much greater way. Let me ask you this question. Which brings greater glory to God? Healing or the miracle of a resurrection? I think that's a no-brainer, right? We understand that the greater thing that would produce greater glory to God is a resurrection in comparison to miraculous healing. Now, whether we see this or not, God is definitely glorifying himself. 
And I'm reminded of one particular story of a man in, in Britain, if I'm not mistaken, who had the COVID-19. And he was struggling. He was breathing. He was alone. He was lonely. And he felt that he was dying. But then there was a little turn around and he felt that he was getting stronger. And at that particular time, he felt quite hungry. And he wished for, for two things. He wished for uh, two items which he, could, he, which he could munch on. I can't recall perfectly what those items were. But he was thinking, who would bring that to me? Who would, who would bring that to me? I'm in isolation. I'm in quarantine. Nobody's going to come. And yet God sent a cleaner a cleaner in the hospital who was a former missionary and then asked him about his situation, gave him a thumbs up, greatly encouraged him, prayed for him, and so he was blessed. The following day, the man comes with oranges and with two other items which he had specifically desired from God. And, you know, there were tears that began to flow down his cheeks as he began to realize that God knows, God cares. And that is what I can share to you, dear brothers and sisters. God knows, God cares, and therefore, let us wait upon him. Now, this time, I'd like to share to you the things we ought not to do. In other words, the negative response. First of all, our negative response should be this. The solution should be, do not be angry with God. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Now here's a question I have for you. Why is it that we should not be angry with God? Well, in this particular psalm, we are given certain reasons why we should not be angry with God. First of all, he talks about the judgment of the wicked. The Lord is not an idle spectator. When it comes to the righteous and the unrighteous, let me tell you, God has already taken a side. And he has not taken the side of the wicked. He has not taken the side of the unrighteous. God has taken the side of the godly, the righteous, and those who are believers in Christ. And that is what we are assured of. And that is why we know that in the end, God has fixed the doom of the wicked. Let me share to you Psalm 37, verses 9 and 10. It says, For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. So it's like you see them now, but tomorrow they're gone. And that's why if you have this righteous indignation in your heart, you're not seeing things the way it should be. There are unrighteous people who are prospering, most especially during these pandemic times. They're taking advantage of the situation. Fret not. God has taken the side of the righteous and he has fixed the doom of these wicked people another reason why we are not to be angry with God is because of the blessing of the righteous if you go to Psalm 37 verse 11 it says the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace now let, let me pause for a moment uh, if you recall, we did the Sermon on the Mount. Do, do you recall this particular passage? Is this familiar to you? Isn't this a passage that the Lord Jesus Christ himself quoted where it says, the meek will inherit the land? Of course, uh, there was an immediate fulfillment to that with the Jews in the Old Testament. But there is also a distant fulfillment of that in the future. And I'm talking about the millennium. I'm talking about the time when the Lord Jesus Christ would come again and he would come together with the church 
We will all be kings at that time, as the Bible says, and we will rule and reign on earth together with the Lord Jesus Christ in what is called as the millennial kingdom. And so we have a bright future for us. Now I know everything looks dim and dark and gloomy right now, but you see, we are people of the future. Let us not forget that, people of God. Sometimes we forget that we are people of the future. We are people who have an inheritance awaiting us. God has prepared a dwelling place for all of us. And sometimes our problem is we, we have become so earthly-minded that it seems like there are some believers who have no plans of leaving earth. But my dear brothers and sisters, we are people of the future. Let us not focus too much on the here and now, but let us focus on the then and there. Having said that, I'm not at all saying that God cannot bless the righteous at this time. We, we've seen that in our lives. We've seen how, how God has blessed us in so many ways, in a myriad of ways in our lives the way He has provided for us, the way He has healed us, the way He has preserved us, the way He has given us wisdom, the way He has uh, helped us out in circumstances, how He has connected us with people. There are so many ways wherein we see the providential dealings of God, the supernatural dealings of God, the sovereign dealings of God. So we do not question the fact that God can bless us here and now. And so we know that can happen and that will happen, obviously. But then again, let me just remind you, don't focus on things below, but focus on things above. Now, another reason why we are not to be angry with God is because of the sovereignty of God. Now, a larger perspective that is shown to us in this particular psalm is that God sees it all. God sees everything. And we need to remind ourselves of that. Sometimes we think that God doesn't see our situation. Remember that passage of scripture that I quoted to you a while ago? That God puts our tears in his bottle. What does that tell us? It tells us about the fact that God has a good memory. The problem is with us. We are the ones who have selective memory. We are the ones who have spiritual amnesia many times. We are the ones who actually forget God so many times in our lives. But God doesn't forget us. He sees us. He is sovereign. And we need to, to submit ourselves to that understanding, to that perspective, that God sees it all. And in so far as the wicked are concerned, and in this particular case, he's talking about the wicked. And, and how that relates to the sovereignty of God. And what God is saying here in this psalm is that the power of the wicked is limited in time. And what is saying here in, in Psalm 37 verse 12, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. Now here's what verse 13 says, but the Lord laughs at the wicked and he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. I like what it says here. The Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming. Now, as I mentioned to you, we're not talking about a, a physical enemy right now. We're talking about an enemy that is invisible to the human eye. But if I may draw an application here, the Lord is laughing. And why is he laughing? He is laughing because he knows the day of this coronavirus is coming. It is going to end in the same way that in this psalm, the day of the wicked was going to come to an end. The day of COVID-19 will also pass. Now, having said that, we don't know exactly when it will happen. That is why in this particular psalm, we are told to wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. And that is what we simply need to do. We need to grit our teeth, so to speak, or, or bite the bullet, so to speak, and allow this to pass. It will pass 
brothers and sisters. And when this passes, this will become a distant memory in our case. And isn't that true? God has delivered us so many, many times in our lives. I've seen the deliverance of God so many, many times in my life. And it's so easy to forget the deliverances of God in a situation like this. Sometimes in our minds we are thinking, Lord, you delivered me in the past, but can you deliver me right now? Let me remind you once again of another psalm that tells us that God is our very present help in time of trouble. He is a very present help in times of trouble. In other words, brothers and sisters, God was there with us yesterday. God will be there for us tomorrow. But please do not forget, He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He is here with us right now. And one of the, the psalm, I'm sorry, one of the uh, passages that has brought comfort to my heart is found in the book of Revelation, wherein we are told in the scriptures that he walks amongst the, the lampstands. And basically, it's, it's a uh, figure of speech that talks about God being in the midst of his people. Remember his promise to us in the, in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. He says, Lo, I shall be with you until the end of the age. So fret not, my dear brothers and sisters. The Lord is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He has promised us that, lo, he shall be with us until the end of the age. Never will God abandon us. Never will God desert us. Never will God leave us. He will be with us all throughout this time. And we need to put our trust in him. We need to believe him, dear brothers and sisters. Now, one other thing we ought not to do, another negative response, is we must not be discontent. And in this particular case, as I mentioned to you, the context here is that the ungodly were prospering, and because the ungodly were prospering, there was envy, there was jealousy in the heart of the righteous. And God is teaching them a very powerful lesson here. God is teaching them a lesson of contentment. Again, as my book suggests, enough is enough. Whatever we have is really enough. And there's a wonderful passage here which says, Psalm 37, verse 16, it says, Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. Once again, it says, Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. Now, I understand that we're being tested right now. And probably some of you are getting tired of eating canned goods every single day because more often than not, that's what you and I are probably eating at this particular time and you're probably getting tired of that. But let me just remind you what the Bible says, better the little that the righteous have. So God is teaching us contentment. He's shaping and molding our character. As I mentioned to you, this pandemic crisis is achieving so many purposes. And one of the purposes is to teach us. And maybe one of the things that God is teaching us at this particular time is contentment. And I hope that we're learning how to be content in our situation. Don't look at other people's blessings. Don't look at the other countries that are not affected by the COVID crisis. Don't look at the, the wealth of other people, but rather focus on the Lord. Focus on the fact that you have this relationship with the Lord and, and God is your supreme treasure. Now, some of you, of course, would go back and, and ask me, what about the unrighteous? What is going to happen to them? Well, let me just say this. Righteousness ultimately prevails. That is why in this particular passage in Psalm 37, verse 17, it says, for the power of the wicked will be broken. The power of the wicked will be broken. 
but the Lord upholds the righteous. So what I see here, brothers and sisters, in this song is in the midst of the great tribulation we are facing, there are certain things we ought to do and ought not to do. And as we do these things, we know that God will make all things beautiful in His time. I know we are right now experiencing a very dark and gloomy situation. But today is Resurrection Sunday. Let me just remind you. It is Resurrection Sunday. But before we talk about the empty tomb, let us talk about the events that were leading towards the resurrection. They were very dark, dim, and gloomy days, most especially for the disciples. Because the Lord Jesus Christ had announced to them that He would die, that He would be crucified, that He would suffer in the hands of men. And this was very difficult on the part of the disciples to wrap their brains around this particular announcement. Because previous to this, the Lord Jesus Christ was growing in His popularity. For three long years, He was traveling north, south, east, and west in the land of Canaan. And during that time, He was performing signs, wonders, and miracles. The popularity of Jesus Christ was growing. Multitudes of people were following Jesus, and they thought this was God's kingdom on earth. And they were feeling that they were going to have a great role and a great part in this kingdom. But then this announcement of the Lord Jesus Christ, they could not comprehend it. They could not understand it. In fact, as we survey the Gospels, we find that it was something that they were simply denying. They were on denial. They could not believe that Jesus was going to die. But then certain events began to happen. The opposition against the Lord Jesus Christ was growing. The Pharisees were against the Lord Jesus Christ. The Sadducees were against the Lord Jesus Christ. The Sanhedrin was against the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were now plotting certain things against the Lord Jesus Christ. And this caused the disciples to become very much afraid. They were so afraid that during the time when Mary and Martha was asking Jesus Christ to come because Lazarus was ill, they did not want to go to Bethany because Bethany was very close to Jerusalem. They were afraid that they might be arrested. They were afraid that something bad might happen to them. And perhaps most of us feel that way right now. We're afraid that if we go out, we might catch COVID-19. Just heard of a story that there was one woman who was 25 days in her house. She was not going out. But then she caught COVID-19. Why? Because of a mail that was sent to her. The mail was contaminated with COVID-19. Today, my dear friend and pastor, Pastor Ding Bolus, is fighting for his life in a London hospital. Please pray for my dear brother. He too has COVID-19. And this is the kind of thing that, that brings fear into our hearts. Everything was dark and gloomy in so far as the disciples were concerned. It did not help, of course, that, that Judas decided to sell the Lord Jesus Christ, decided to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane at that time when Jesus Christ was praying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And the Lord Jesus was sweating drops of blood. And he was asking his disciples if they could stay with him for an hour and pray together with him. But they could not pray. They slept. Why did they sleep? Because they had lost their hope. Because they were depressed. Because they were afraid. And perhaps this is how you and I feel at this particular time. And all of a sudden, Judas bursts into the scene together with some soldiers and he betrays the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss. And in rapid succession, 
Many bad things happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was arrested. He was put on trial. There were false witnesses that charged many things against him. There was a mock trial. He was being exchanged uh, with Barabbas at that time. And he was sent into a place where he was tortured. He was slapped. He was beaten. He was mocked. The crown of thorns were placed upon him. And eventually he was, lay, he was led to Golgotha. And in that place, he was crucified. In that place, he was tortured. In that place, he was a bloody mess. And some of the disciples were watching from a distance. Some of the women who followed the Lord Jesus Christ were watching from a distance. And they were cringing in, in pain and in fear. They were seeing the very Son of God, the mighty Son of God, now a bloody man, seemingly helpless at this particular time, struggling to breathe, having difficulty. But my dear brothers and sisters, this had to happen. This was prophesied in the book of Isaiah that Jesus had to die to pay for all our sins. This dark, gloomy situation had to happen because God desired our very best. And as we look and survey what is happening to us right now, we're probably wondering where is the light at the end of the tunnel? We are right now in our Good Friday, so to speak, wherein it's dark, it's gloomy. But let me just remind you, dear brothers and sisters, Sunday is coming. Light is going to be at the end of the tunnel. And so even though the sun has dimmed its light, even though we do not see the moon shining its light, let us cling on to the Lord because we know that hope arises in the darkest of situations. If we look at what happened to the history of the nation of Israel, it was during the darkest moments of their history that they produced mighty men of God like Elijah and like Elisha. It was in the darkest period of the history of Israel in Egypt that God raised up a Moses. And it was in exile in Babylon that God raised up for Israel the prophet Daniel. And so friends, in this dark moment in the history of the globe and in the history of the church, take heart because every time there is pressure, Every time there is oppression, we can be sure that there is light at the end of the tunnel because God walks with us and He is achieving His purposes for each and every one of us. My dear brothers and sisters, even as the disciples faced that dark and gloomy situation when Sunday came, when Sunday came, they saw an empty tomb. The resurrection had taken place. And friends, now we have redemption. Now we have atonement for our own souls. So take heart, have courage, my dear brothers and sisters. Our Jesus is alive. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He is walking together with us. I would like to quote to you a verse of Scripture in Matthew 28, verses 5 and 6. And it says, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for He has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. A good friend of mine 
Pastor Edwin Cotter passed away because of COVID-19. I just learned about that early this morning. But my dear brothers and sisters, he is right now in heaven. No more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more sickness. He's in a far, far better place. In fact, a perfect place with a perfect God in the very presence of his Lord, Master, and Savior. What a glorious day for my dear brother. I feel sad because I've lost a friend. I feel bad for his wife and his sons. But for Edwin Cotter himself, I have no sympathies because he is in a much better place than I am, than you are in right now. There's a song that goes, when the saints come marching in, I would like to be in that number. Could it be that some of you who are listening to me right now, you cannot relate to that song, but you would like to be in the number of the saints that are marching into heaven. Once again, let me just share to you the gospel. Jesus Christ died and paid our sins in that dark, gloomy world that he was in, he died. But in that death, he achieved something which brought about our own redemption and our own salvation. Christ's blood cleanses and washes us from all our sins. Oh, dear sinners, I appeal to you. May you come to Christ right now and apply the blood. Let the blood of Jesus Christ be applied in your heart. For the Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be washed white as snow. If you accept Christ as Lord and Savior of your life right now, you, you will receive everlasting life because salvation is a free gift. And it shall be given to you, my dear brothers and sisters. So may you kneel down right now and cry out to God, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I have no hope of salvation apart from you. And Lord, I seek your face right now. I know my good works will not save me because my good works will never reach your holy standard of perfection. And so God, I throw myself into your loving arms just like the prodigal son. And Lord, the, the father ran towards the prodigal son and I see you running towards me. And Lord, I, I come before you. I receive your embrace. I receive the free gift of eternal life. May you pray that prayer, dear brother and dear sister. And so once again, in this dark and gloomy situation, there's always hope. Again, let me remind you of the Garden of Gethsemane. Right now, we are in the Garden of Gethsemane. But one day, we will see the empty tomb. God bless you, brothers and sisters, and happy Resurrection Sunday. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you and bless you for this blessed Sunday, O God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for ministering to us. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that the word will go forth loud and clear into our very hearts and into the hearts of those who will hear from this video. We give you thanks and praise for today. And Lord, for those who continue to be faithful to partnering with the work of the Lord by sharing their resources. May you bless them. We thank you, O God, for all of us, and I pray that your sustenance will be upon all of us. And whatever has been achieved today, we give you back the glory, the praises, and thanks. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, brothers and sisters, let me take this occasion to invite you not only to like 
this video, but to share it. Share it to as many people as possible. Tag your friends. It is now the time to proclaim the word of God. We are now in our garden of Gethsemane, but the empty tomb is about to come. And before the light dawns upon people and they forget about this crisis, and that's why I'm saying don't, don't let this crisis go to waste. Before they forget, now is the opportune time. Now is the Kairos time. The opportune time. Seize the moment, brothers and sisters. Share the gospel. Proclaim the word of God. And how do you do it? It's very simple. Just like and share. Share it on your Facebook wall. Share it on, on Viber. Share it on Messenger. Share it yourself as you have listened to me. Let the word go out. And so, once again, happy Resurrection Sunday. And may God bless you all. We'll see you again this coming Wednesday for our table talk at 2 p.m. And of course, Lord willing, next Sunday, once again, we'll see you. God bless you and stay safe, everybody. My wife says hi to everybody. Stay safe.